Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back to Reimagining Work from Within. I'm Bev Atfield, a partner at Within based in San Diego, California in the USA, and I am very excited about today's conversation, which is a purposeful chat about purpose. And with me today are Laurie Bennett and Pat Dwyer. Laurie, you have heard before on this podcast, he is one of my fellow partners and a co-founder of Within People, based in Vancouver, Canada. Pat is one of our longtime friends and is founder and director of The Purpose Business based in London, UK. Welcome to both of you. Thank you very much. Hi, Bev. This is a long overdue conversation, isn't it? We both, both by both, I mean within people and the purpose business care a lot about purpose. And we have been wanting to have this conversation for quite some time now because we're really excited about our partnership. We're really excited about what we can achieve in the world together. And I am really excited to be leading this conversation to unpack what we care about, why we believe in purpose and what it means for us as we go forth into the world to make the impact that we want to have. So, that's enough from me for the time being. I'd love to invite both of you to just give us a, a bit of a, a sense of how do we know each other and, and why why do we care so much about purpose? So, Pat, how, how do you know us and what do you love about us? Gosh, this is a decade-long friendship slash cousinhood slash everything else that we've been dreaming of. And, and even this podcast, we had, you know, so many times we said we will do it. I can't believe we're here now, Laurie. And I also can't believe that I haven't seen Laurie since, gosh, was that 2016 I saw you last? It seems like so a long time ago, and it seems like just the other day. Ooh. I feel like this is a conversation we've been waiting to have for a long time, but also it's been a conversation we've been having for almost 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> so our challenge today is to try and squeeze 10 years worth of conversation into the next 45 minutes or so, I think. Yeah. And to sound like you're hearing it for the first time, even if we've said it again and again, but this is exciting. For that whole 10 years, Pretty much everything Pat has said about purpose has been something that I have found really delightful and insightful to listen to. So have no fear, Pat. Very kind, very kind. I do think, you know, you, you have charted a different way to get to purpose and it's intriguing how we've come from a very different way, which I'm sure we'll talk about today. Well, and that's the the beauty of this friendship, isn't it, is that we might have different opinions or we might have different experiences, but we come together and converge around the importance of purpose in the business context and how it is one of the key drivers for building businesses that can really have a positive impact in the world. So I am honored to be the guide to this conversation and I will do my best to take us into the nuance and, and the, the delightful layers that make up our relationship. But also, you know, part of what we're trying to do today is really just unpack what purpose is and how it can really help unlock so much for businesses and people in them if we get it right. So let's get the journey going. Okay, so the first question that's that I've been thinking about is, why is now the golden moment for us to bring our passion together as within people in the purpose business in service of purpose-led organizations? So 
Laurie, Pat, could you each give us your, your quick 30-second take on why now? Sure. I don't think there's ever a bad time to have this conversation, but there is something that feels a little bit special about right now as we look out into the world of business and and what's happening out here that makes purpose almost extra interesting and relevant to, to talk about right now. I think from my perspective, a couple of the things that feel really interesting about this are, number one is just watching how the world of work has has shifted this side of the coronavirus pandemic, just the ways that we're working, the the ways that business is being asked to operate by the employees of those businesses who are putting a real premium on what are we here to do. I think coming out of a social crisis like that, right out into an environmental crisis around climate change, really has brought it closer to mind, the the role that businesses play in society beyond just generating profit for themselves. And I think that's come into the sharpest ever focus right now. And it comes at the same time as we're seeing a new generation of people really making up the bulk of the workforce and starting to step into leadership positions. The, the millennials and the Gen Z generations who are well known to be very upfront with asking their employers and expecting their employers to play a bigger role in society and who value meaningful work extremely highly when they're choosing where they want to work. I think it's at the moment it's 63% of millennials say that the primary purpose of a business should be about improving society, not about generating profit. And that makes a conversation about purpose really interesting, not just from the perspective of wanting to do good in the world, but wanting to attract and retain and grow the brightest and finest talent inside your business too. Juicy. Thanks, Laurie. And we're going to dig into some of those benefits that having a clear purpose unlocks for a business later, aren't we? I'm hearing things in there, macro, micro shifts that have happened. You know, a lot has changed in the world over the past three to five years. Pat, what are you seeing around, you know, why this is the moment for us now building on and perhaps adding to what Laurie had um, just shared with us? Yeah, I mean, I echo everything Laurie just has said and on top of that, I guess if I put my sort of Asia hat on and I'm always of two minds doing this because I can't speak for all of Asia, I don't dare do that. But from what we see, um, there is a phrase that we coined last year, which seems to be accepted by leaders in Asia, which is purpose has gone from fluff to function. And there's a there's an acceptance that they did call it fluff because they couldn't place it, whether it's at up there in leadership retreats or down there in the quiet moments of the staff when they're actually not working, you do it on a Sunday night. So what has changed, apart from everything that Lori has said, is the need for transformation as an organization is now a knock at various doors of the same house all at the same time. Whereas in the past, it might have been something that the chairman, the chairman, because it's always the chairman, would have said because it's a moment of legacy or it might have been a question 
in the employee's kind of survey or questionnaire, and it's down there in the AOB section of the agenda, any other business, right? It's never right mm. on top. What we're seeing is in the space of sustainability, you have all of these difficult commitments, hard targets that you're setting, and there are more and more leaders who are coming to say that decarbonization is not the hardest thing we have to do. What actually is the hardest thing to do is to bring the culture along and to change the business models that we've called true and correct and upon which we've based all our remuneration, rewards and success metrics right on. And now it has to change because there is something else that needs to get questioned. And that often is about the why you exist. So and it's very exciting times for sure. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, and no- I really appreciate that you expanded our view to the, the global perspective on this, Pat, because, you know, obviously we, another beautiful dimension of our friendship is that we find ourselves in different places around the world. And that gives us the ability to actually see difference, but also to see where things are converging around purpose, even though it might be the Asian or the North American or the European context, right? So that's so what's really beautiful about the depth of how we are present in the world right now. And, and I'm going to invite us to dig into that and give some examples of what that might look like in those different contexts a little bit later. But what I'm also hearing from you is how the shift has gone from being something that it's nice to have to something that is a strategic driver. So purpose is now at the forefront of our conversations and our considerations, and we're we're knitting it into the very fiber of our workplaces and our cultures that we are creating within those organizations, which is a little bit different from a number of years ago where it was just the side of the desk thing. It was maybe the thing that, you know, just the HR manager did or the social committee did as an extension of, you know, why we're here. So this is really exciting times, I think. But I think one question that is arriving for me and maybe for some of our listeners before we start getting into the layers and the detail and the complexity of of purpose in some moments, what the heck is purpose, I think, is the first question (laughs) that I'm holding. Because until we have a working definition of what it is, we might find ourselves going down some rabbit holes that our, our listeners won't have a clear navigational system for. So let's just pause for a moment. Could you each give me your working definition of purpose in the business context? And Pat, I'll ask you to go first when you're ready. Sure. It is why you exist as a company or an organization that contributes to overall well-being of people and planet. And I'll let that sink in because it will hit you depending on what resonates in that entire sentence, right? But I remember being called the purpose business. My God, what pressure did we put on ourselves? But in 2015, when we started, I had founders and CEOs going, good luck with your charity, Pat. Profit is my purpose. What are you talking about? And of course, that is the reason they existed is to double the market share, grow the market segment, you know, and and that is the measure of success. But today, when you look at the question on why it sits in strategy now is because there's got to be something bigger than profit maximization, the profit at all costs, you know, which has brought us to things like climate change and to things like social inequality. There has to be something that business should exist for. And we can dig into this later. It is well-being of people and planet. Mm 
Mm. Interesting. Laurie, what's your take on it? I love that. It's it's very similar. I think there's so many different definitions of purpose floating about in the world. I think there's certain bits that they all agree on and that piece that sits still at the heart of it for us is why. You know, it's the reason for existing as a business. It's as a result, it's the source of meaning and direction in the work that we do. It becomes a sort of a description of the role that we play in the vision that we have for the world. And we ask ourselves what difference do we want to make in the world around us? Our purpose is the role we play in in making that difference. It's the it's not a goal that we set for ourselves. It's the passion that we have that fuels us to go and achieve the goals we do set. And I think the the way that I really love that idea of this, of the, the sense of it as a contribution. And I think we really talk about purpose as representing the contribution, the, the positive contribution to the world that we make simply by being in business. And I think there's something really important about that last piece that speaks to a little bit about what you were saying a moment ago, Bev, which is your purpose isn't something separate to what you do as a business in many ways. It's not something to the side that speaks to here's the good stuff that we do while we're doing all these other things over here, making these products and services. Our purpose is something that repairs the damage of doing those things. Purpose is about saying that the very stuff that we do, the products that we make, the services that we put out there, the very the act of doing those things leaves a positive impact on our society, on our community, on our environment. And it's for me, it's the, the role that it plays in knitting that right into the strategy of the business that makes it exciting. If I can just build on that, that's it, it's so powerful to say role. And I love how Laurie has just kind of almost, you know, focused us into what would happen if you weren't there dear organization what would we be missing because someone else will concoct the shampoo ingredient someone else will build another mall someone else will you know there's always competition but this point on the unique strategic contribution of a business this is really what i think is exciting because of course there's many of you in that competing market but there is something about you that makes it different and and we'll get to the experience a little bit later on right but when we say what's in your hand as an organization a lot of things will fall through but what is right in the middle what stays is that unique strategic contribution and we say that leads to well-being of people and planet because you can't be purposeful and not be a responsible business yeah yeah Okay, so what I'm hearing is this is about the why. It's about the contribution to the world that we want to have. It is what sits at the heart of of what guides us as a business. And oftentimes the only expression that we see of that is someone's purpose statement that gets trotted out in some sort of marketing campaign or is on their swag or is made visible to us somehow because often we don't have the opportunity to look under the hood and see purpose at play within an organization. 
So in the spirit of celebrating those purpose expressions that we love and that inspire us, what would be an example from each of you of a purpose statement that you admire and why? Oh, Bev, it's like asking me to choose my favorite child. How can I do this? I love all <laughs> Shut my the purposes door, Laurie. equally. Yeah. <laughs> I'd, because it was difficult, I'd, I think there's two that I would look at. And for similar but slightly different reasons, one's a client of ours and it's a, an organization that we've worked with for a long time, which is Amy's Kitchen, who, if you don't know them, are we're kind of putting frozen vegetarian sustainably sourced meals out into the world before that was something that was cool and done by a lot of people. They're a family-owned business and the journey of finding purpose with them was about really trying to tap into what motivated the family to start the, the business and to try and kind of encapsulate what it really means to them to be in the business of creating and shipping frozen vegetarian food now around the world. And the, the statement that they came up with was make it easy and enjoyable for everyone to eat well. And the reason I love it is because it's, it does what I really like in purpose statements, which is have you not go, oh my gosh, that sounds really sexy, but actually go, yeah, of course, that's why you're here doing something because it is deeply authentic and true rather than being crafted into a slogan or a strap line for them. And there's really core principles that sit in that statement about the way that they operate their organization and the way that they want to leave a mark in the world, which is about accessibility and joy around food that is healthy for people and healthy for the planet it's sourced from. And I can just see how when they hold that purpose and when they speak to that purpose and when you see how they behave as an organization, the decisions that they make around how they want to grow and around the different products that they want to bring out, around the ways that they market those, around the ways that they bring their staff in, there's something powerfully connected to that idea that exists inside the business for it. And the other one that I really love is Lego's purpose, which we did not help them make. But the idea of to inspire and develop the builders of tomorrow is, is a really amazing picture. Because if you know Lego, it didn't start out as little blocks that people build. It started out as wooden toys. And it's evolved, that product and the way that we use it and understand it has evolved from being a toy that works a certain way to being a whole system of enjoyment that works differently to now kind of multi-million dollar movie franchises and all this other stuff that has been able to grow up around this core idea guided by this idea of inspiring and developing the builders of tomorrow. So something in there that's rich in inspiration that talks about their role in using play to educate. And the idea of builders of tomorrow is just super clever because it is it enables them to hold a context around the very nature of what they do, but also gives them the scope to say that this is about how we create, we help grow people who are going to grow a future that is positive for us. And it's beautiful, I think. Thanks, Laurie. I love 
both of those examples for different reasons. And I, th- I think I'm, I'm excited to hear what Pat's going to share with us so that we can start to form a picture of, you know, as experts in the field here, like what do we deem to be well-crafted purpose statements? And it's not just about clever words. It's about what sits behind those words and it's the actions that come to bear because of those words. So, so Pat, what, what could you add into the mix here to give us a, a flavor of beautifully crafted purpose statements that aren't just empty words? Yeah, well, first off, I think the it's so hard to find the beautiful crafting and you know that you can activate it. It's easy to craft it. You know, I could plug your other podcast on AI taking a stab at it. And that's a scary term to try and get to. But one of the things that I do look for is always an explicit expression of the role, as Laurie was talking about earlier, the role of the unique strategic contribution and the impact that you make. Now, sometimes you got to go with what kind of rolls off the tongue to the culture of the company. And one of my favorite ones does not perfectly sit on the role and impact structure, but it tells you what it is that they have been doing and what they will keep on doing. So Olam is a 30 billion euro turnover business in Asia. It's basically in the business of food, feed and fiber from cacao to cashews to all sorts of raw materials that go into products that we love or that we consume on a daily basis operating in kind of 60 countries but the founder is very much in the middle of it right now and he was the one that orchestrated this and it was simply to really imagine global agriculture and food systems and I love it because no one is enthused by global agriculture and food systems on its own But we know that that system is broken. We know that that system is battered because of everything that we're facing, you know, almost kind of societally, not just environmentally, politically, everything that kind of contributes to the factor. And they have seen how the system itself needs to continue feeding the stakeholders that they show up for and all the companies that they provide do, right? And a lot of those just have to change very basic things. So reimagining structures for farming cooperatives, reimagining how you price seeds. When you speak with Sonny Fergesi, the CEO, he will not talk to you about what he does and purpose and all that. He's going to talk to you for hours about the 4 million bees that he buys on a yearly basis, because this is what's going to guarantee the way to look for reimagining global agriculture and food systems. And when you speak to people in the company, that's what they live for. Whether you are at C-suite or you are indeed the head of the farming cooperative, you get it. You get the bees, you get the reimagination, and you see how that comes into the hands of people who consume the product in the end. So to listen to that purpose statement hits, you know, the inspiration, aspiration piece, the role, the impact is not explicit, but you can almost live and feel it. And, and that's why I love it. Well, thank you, Pat, for that example, too. And really what I'm coming away with is this feeling of, yes, it's great to have a, a beautifully crafted statement, but really what you need is the action that sits behind it and the ability to inspire those who are within the organization to really be 
pointing towards that impact that we want to have and to be excited about the role that we might play in impacting or contributing to the world in whatever shape or form. And oftentimes, purpose statements are an expression of what we care about in the world. And the next question that I have for both of you is, why do you care about purpose? Like what led you to feel that you wanted to commit and dedicate your professional and personal energy and appetite around something like purpose? It's probably one of those questions that you you want to kind of come back to if it was an exam and you'll take it last, <laughs> you know, you want to just digest everything. I can see Laurie just nodding. So yeah, but, and yet it envelops everything that we've been doing for so long. I think for me, there was a moment in leaving my previous job um, and somebody said to me, you're really good at convening people and then finding how good they are, but you don't try and do it for them. I had no idea what that means or something like that. I'm paraphrasing. Then I went into an exercise of understanding what that gift was and it was then that I started kind of crafting my own purpose statement, which was quite simply igniting the fire so you can light up the room. And, you know, you go through this whole process of, of nailing that. But it is it is what I do. I surround myself with experts and experienced folks like yourselves and my team who I will never come this close to in terms of depth and and talent and and capability but somebody has to set that up so that they can shine and it's interesting because I started with that and I and somebody said to me sustainability is just going to get bigger you should build something and I didn't know what that meant I was never an entrepreneur but this is what we wanted to go into and build how could we ignite the fire in companies so they can light up the room in the with the end of being a force for good as a business because we are in sustainability. And so we guide leaders to evolve business as a force for good. Thanks, Laurie. Laurie had, may have had something to do with that purpose <laughs> statement too. But yeah, so I, you can see how your personal purpose does connect with what it is that you do in an organization. And I think that is very, very critical in making sure that you become one of those activators, as you said earlier, that it doesn't just sit as a phrase. Mm. Well, there's something in what you just spoke about that lets me think about authenticity and credibility. And it's the same for our personal purpose as it is for an organization's purpose, isn't it? That we need to have both of those things present in order for it to be something that we can truly live and see expressed in the world. So Mm. Thank you, Pat. Laurie, why do you personally care about purpose in business? I mean, for a lot of the reasons we've talked about already to some extent and like and some shared sense of what Pat was talking about there too, I think there's some combination of what I love to do and what I feel is the meaningful work that's needed in the world, I guess. And for me, purpose is a lovely intersection between those two things. Like I think the what it really appeals to me about the act of finding purpose inside a business is that there's it's a beautiful moment of clarity that you create in that moment. There's so much complexity inside businesses and the systems that businesses are. There's so much complexity in 
the challenges that need to get solved out there in the world, the really big ones like climate change and social justice, and some of the smaller ones about how do people feel like the work the the time of their life that they spend at work is time spent in a meaningful pursuit of some kind. And all of you can sort of trace all of those threads back, I think, to something like purpose, which is just this super simple, super meaningful articulation of what we're here to do together. And I think revolving out of that simple idea comes ways of collaborating, ways of seeing the world, ways of seeing other people that has the potential to fundamentally change how we operate as businesses and how we operate in society. I think businesses are little systems. And if you can change the way those systems believe, into what those systems believe that they're here to do and align a bunch of people around going out and putting their energy towards doing something that makes the world better at the same time as kind of fueling them financially and doing all the other things that jobs need to do. If you can do that in the sense of a business, then I think you open up the idea in people's minds that it's possible to do that kind of thing more in a society. And you start to show people a different kind of belief around, hey, we can create systems that are more equitable. We can create systems that allow us to work towards a kind of communal good. And there's something very cool about getting to do that with businesses and getting to do that with leaders and watching how they really fuel themselves and are able to kind of align their own passions with what they, the, the kind of organizations they're trying to grow and the kind of world they're trying to make. Thanks, Laurie. And, and I think it's, that's going to nicely take us into the next part of our, our discussion here around like both what you, Laurie and Pat, were talking about is a very positive way of being. It's it's a like it's we almost have the privilege of being able to speak about purpose quite comfortably now. And perhaps that wasn't always the the case. And Pat, you've spoken already about how many businesses and some still are or most still are, let's be honest, are are profit focused, not purpose driven. And I guess what I'm curious about is what's happened over the last decade that has allowed us to get to the place that we are now where we can be in an executive boardroom and have a meaningful, serious conversation about purpose, which wouldn't have happened 10 years ago, most likely, for most companies. Both of you have been leading businesses squarely focused on purpose for almost 10 years. You've seen a lot. You've run up against some struggles and and into some obstacles, I'm sure. You've had to tease out and and perfect your powers of persuasion to make your case for why purpose is necessary and critical for business to flourish. So let's just take a moment and think about like what's actually changed between then and now to give us the privilege and the opportunity that we have today to have purpose as a driver for business. So Pat, what have you seen over the last 10 years that's you know really changed that gives us the opportunity we have today? It's a lovely confluence of all the drivers, right? And it just gets to that tipping point. And if it was the pandemic that cracked it, so be it. We had one common client who insisted we work with them 
on their purpose, values, and ambition journey in the thick of COVID. So that was September to December. And we did that together with Within. And it was so powerful because they insisted that they will not get out of this not knowing what kind of culture it was they needed to be different. Of course, that's not going to transform 65 years of doing something a different way, but they had the recognition. So that's the first thing. I think there is a recognition that business as usual, if you want to call it that, isn't serving us anymore. We want to say, you know, if the world is on fire, who cares if you've got the biggest market share? It, that's of no use to anybody. So this whole business as usual sitting with profit is your purpose got us to profit maximization, which meant profit at all costs. And profit at all costs left us this world that we are in on fire, but we're still here. There is still that 1.5 degrees or whatever it is that we could be saying is the one chance that we get. And and when leaders come to us today, they, there is a recognition that that one chance requires far more than the sustainability strategy that they work with us on. That one chance has to be, we have to behave differently. We have to show up differently. Our culture has to move. So there is that. On the other side, when you work with family conglomerates, multi-generational businesses, we're seeing a lot of the next generation already ripe as Laurie said earlier, right? the millennials are, de- are, are demanding this of their employers and wanting transparency. So if you are, in fact, at the seat of power, you know, fortunate enough to be driving business and not needing to work your way at the top, you want the business to keep the legacy of the founding family, but to adopt to changing times as they did perhaps two, three generations prior, right? So there's these inflection moments that come. And so when you sort of bring all of those together, this is another one that's sort of driving the, could we do things differently? Could our unique strategic contribution be the next 75 years? It's it's fascinating. So we're working with, I guess, they're almost the same age, 189 years, you know, in business and I remember the early conversations with them saying, well, we got this far, didn't need a purpose statement. Why should that change? And it was actually the children who are in their mid-30s, mid-40s coming and said, the one thing that's different is that I'm here now. This is my lifetime. And so is a lifetime of however many employees that we have. And our pressures are different. And that's, that's really powerful as a uniting force to carry the legacy on of the business, but also be in, you know, in, in step, in keeping, in relevant with the times. Yeah, there's something in there as well about the the urgency that is now with us. And yeah. I think, like you said, Pat, I think that there are a few forces at play, but not least of which generational shift that Laurie also touched on, on earlier, that is forcing us to behave in a different way and that is leading us to make different decisions. We know that there's a lot more work to be done there and we'd love to see it accelerate even more. But Laurie, maybe I'll ask you a different question just to give us some nuance to this around like why has it been so hard for us to get to this point when we've made it like it's very clear to us sitting around this table that we we know the the strategic function that purpose can serve for us and that it needs to be something at the heart of what we do. But why has it been so hard for us to get to the point that we are today? 
Yeah, I I love that question. And I there's something that Pat was saying there. I love that story, Pat, about the business that's been going for 189 years without a purpose statement and the legitimacy of being able to turn around and say, this has worked out <laughs> rather well for us so far. But I think there's a there's a saying that I love, which is that the Stone Age didn't end because we ran out of stones, right? We found better ways of doing stuff that actually just served us better. But you can imagine trying to persuade people who'd used stones for thousands of years to do stuff that this other thing that I cooked up in a fire by mistake is actually going to be a better alternative. So I think there's something there's something in here about shifting the mindsets and attitudes and you're pushing against an inertia built on tradition, you know, the traditions of what it means to lead, the very kind of masculine ideals of control and authority and amassing power and power sort of taking the form of wealth in most places. Like all of this is still super powerful forces that exist in that space. A lot of businesses pursuing a profit first agenda have enormous wealth gathered up and they use that to get in the way of legislation and progress that might see their slightly old-fashioned ways made harder in order to enable new thoughts and approaches to come into place. And I think when you kind of zoom all the way, you can go right out from that sort of political legislative environment that incentivizes certain kinds of businesses or not, but you can pull that all the way back through just the structure of businesses and business models that people get taught in business schools and understand to be the way we do business, right back through to the kind of the very personal challenge that falls on an individual leader when they're being asked to create some significant shift in the way that their organization operates and the the risk that feels inherent in that that it might all go wrong and i think it takes a certain courage and a certain ambition to decide that you are going to point your organization in a different direction and that you are going to work it in service of something else and i think you know we do this a lot we get the opportunity to talk to a lot of people who feel quite comfortable in this space but the it, we can't underestimate the size of the ask that is hey f- please fundamentally try something different here and see what happens and i think the you know in some ways the the thing that's got us over the last 10 years to where we are right now hasn't been necessarily a minimization of how important profit is it's been an alignment between purposeful business and profitable business and are starting to really leaders starting to see that if you have a powerful sense of purpose it's actually better for your business provided your business is doing making some positive contribution into the world and i think there's something beautiful about the way that purpose starts to sort out the, the folks who are wanting to continue to kind of maximize profit at any cost, as you said, Pat, and who are putting out purpose statements that are inauthentic or that are designed to kind of patch up a reputation rather than 
really shape the strategy of how a business operates. And I think we've been we've been through that curve and we continue to go through it even now of the sort of people jumping on the bandwagon of purpose and delegitimizing it by sort of claiming to be doing it whilst really having no intention of shifting the way that their business works. Like I remember when BP changed from British Petroleum to Beyond Petroleum as their kind of badge and they brought that nice flowery logo out and they were full of purpose. And then Deepwater Horizon happened and it just exposed the fact that really nothing had changed in the way that the organization understood how it needed to operate. And I think at that moment, people go, ah, this purpose thing is just a it's just a badge that people are putting on what they're doing to try and impress people. I think as more and more organizations start to step into doing it properly, we're starting to see now a kind of restoration of trust behind real purposeful business and how that can just make business better as well as the world better around it. So good. I, I can't let it pass because Laurie has touched on the massive amount of work this entails, which does not make it attractive. You're asking them to change fundamentally. You're asking them to pay for it, sink in the time, and just trust the process. I mean, come on, right? This is an entire lifetime that you're changing, particularly for senior level, for example. But the flip side the clarity that it gives you. It's so easy to say yes and no to certain decisions when your purpose is clear. And I think that is what you're asking for, Beb. Are there people that see the potential of that now? Yes. I remember working with organizations who've walked out of meetings with me seven, eight years ago, who are now at the same side of the table. You're too early. You're you know, five years too early, Pat, but we got here, see, we got here and now we're ready. And they're quite proud of that recognition. It's, it's really fascinating when it clicks. And what I'm excited by is how many more times do we have to use, you know, a slide on the business case of purpose? Because I can see it slowly fading. The question on what is purpose? That's less and less. Two years ago, that was the only slide they would go for. Today, fast forward to the how and how did they do it and how is it right for us and how do we bite-size it? Is there such a thing? Or how do we go on the full journey but pace it together with all the other changes that we're going through? So, yeah, I, you know, why would you not do it if this is the hardest thing you're going to do because it is the right thing to do? Well, I think it's encouraging to hear from both of you that like the flywheel is starting to move, isn't it? It's yeah. It's been a little slow, but it's, it is gaining momentum. It is, we now have greater awareness. We now have more leaders who are standing up and saying, no, we need to be authentic in this. We need to not be green, I guess the equivalent of greenwashing, purpose washing, right? To be able to use the purpose as a front for some business endeavor that is really just rooted in, in profit. So we, we are seeing this, this traction starting to take hold. We know that there are still many more difficult conversations to come. And, and really, we, as 
as folks who are at the forefront of this, we need to be making the case for purpose. And sometimes it's frustrating because it should be very obvious and (laughs) it shouldn't be that hard to understand that by investing in this, you not only get an impact in your business, but guess what? You're going to get a ton of profit too. Because if you act in this way and you really believe in what you're doing, the chances are that the business is going to take care of itself because you've got this really strong core belief in why you're here. Okay, so that's all fair and well. We know that it takes work. We know that it takes investment. We know that changing minds is, is, is hard. So what if a leader or a group of leaders or an executive team decides to do this? What's the reward that they're going to get for doing this work? Like, there has to be some return on the investment. <laughs> Other really than knowing that it, they're, hey? they're doing good for the world. But I, I want to know, what does being purpose-centric unlock for a business? Yeah, I think I I tend to start with kind of meaning and direction are the two things that it brings first and foremost. So I think if you're if you're operating without a purpose, there's something missing that's the that kind of thing that connects somebody's passion to the work that they do and them understanding that they are in pursuit of doing something that matters and that that matters to a lot of people and the direction being kind of as you're proactively setting strategy and making big decisions about what markets products other things you might want to grow into there's something there that acts as that that kind of point of light in the sky that can guide those kinds of difficult decisions, which gets especially important when there's a lot of change going on in and around a business, that there's this immovable idea which helps us kind of navigate and calibrate where we're going and why we're going there. That feels really important. To give you an example, one of the clients that we work with in South Africa is Woolworths, which is a major food and fashion retailer. Um, They've got 26,000 staff at all levels of the business hierarchy. They set a purpose which is about creating spaces where you feel connected, inspired, and cared for, that their stores are more than places to come and transact, but they represent something in the communities that they're in. They create an experience for the people who are in them. And having set that purpose, it's been so interesting to watch how that has been able to unify and a number of people in that kind of volume, align them around, here's what we're really here to do, and how that translates into the way that they treat each other inside their teams, the way they lead each other. During the pandemic, again, that purpose caused them to decide when to close stores at economic disadvantage for the safety of their staff, when to keep them open and how, how to deal with people who suffered bereavement and challenges through that time. It was the purpose that was the thing that kept getting referred to, to keep them moving at a time of huge uncertainty. We're watching it now translate into a customer experience. So if if that's the, the idea that what we're here to do, how does that inform and affect a customer experience that's built around human connection and the love we have for our fellow people and how we serve them in in line with that and what that does to a customer service experience in that way. In South Africa, they have 
real challenges and mandates legally around inclusive justice and starting to see how when you hold a purpose like that, it compels you into acting in the way that says, hey, everyone who walks into our store deserves to be treated and feel the way that they do, whether they're employed here or whether they shop here. So this one idea is starting to infiltrate all the commercial and cultural aspects of that business that's leading to them being able to cope with uncertainty and be more resilient through upturns and downturns in the economy and in the society around them. It's helping them attract, retain, and develop their staff to be able to work in the ways that allows their business to work best. It's causing them to start to become a major player in conversations around inclusive justice in South African society, all of which is contributing back into the success that they have as an organization. Yeah, and there's something in there, Laurie, about how invested they have been in bringing that into every pore of that organization, isn't there? And the commitments that have been made at every level to be in alignment with that purpose. And it's been seven I years. I think that's seven years of sort of uncovering it, finding it, and embedding it and starting to live it and point the and they're still working on it. Like these this process of finding purpose isn't a three month copywriting jaunt. It's once you got it, the real work starts, unfortunately, yeah. which is how do you align every part of what you do to this core idea yeah and make sure it's living it wonderful thank you for that example laurie and it it just demonstrates how purpose can really be something that we come back to regardless of what's going on around us and purpose isn't just for those moments of joy in the world it's really what helps us navigate through anything that we might have to encounter as a business with a group of people working towards a common goal. So really great example. Thank you, Laurie. Pat, what is having purpose unlock for a business from your perspective? What have you seen from some clients you've worked with? Share share with us what your thoughts are. Yeah, I'll, I'll extend from where Laurie left us with meaning and direction I think it's meaning direction the clarity of it that's the big unlock because once that is not clear not only because it's articulated clear because it means something to every single last individual at the back of the factory or the shop floor the power it unleashes is extraordinary so Again, I'll, I'll use, you know, South Africa or South America, East Asia, Southeast Asia, where you find a lot of the distribution networks of companies that are headquartered in the US or in Europe, let's say. And we get those regional offices coming to us saying, HQ has given us a purpose statement with an eye roll. Doesn't mean a thing here. You know what we do, right? We're limited. We don't make anything. We're just a distribution network. We stock the shelves or we get it from point A to point B. And that's always very difficult because you can already feel with that ask, they don't have agency. They are disengaged. But there is that one thing that's going for them, which is they want to be part of it. And the clarity and the the meaning that comes from, so there is a brand whose purpose is 
creating beauty that moves the world. And you can just imagine the APAC office going, we don't create, there is no beauty in what we do. Literally, we stock the shelves. We only deal with our suppliers and our transport um, partners and the malls and the boutiques that we work with. That's our world. That's not beautiful. Sure, the product, when it's in your hand, is, but we have nothing to do with that. So how am I going to build meaning around this? And yet, when you go through the process with them, beauty and moves the world mean completely different things to them. Whereas when you go to the HQ, they feel like they can't move anything. All they do is make. So actually, there is this there is this opportunity to get the last IT person, the last finance accountant, the intern, the tea lady who's not client-facing, not in the most exciting of the jobs, if, if the job is really sort of you know, very consumer facing in that respect. But if you can bring them along and the disenfranchised disappears, then you can talk empowerment. Then you have all the right to talk about inclusion and put metrics in it. How dare you say that when you've never engaged them in the process of getting to the purpose statement, right? So when Laurie says, you know, the real work starts once you've cracked it, I know we're not selling this really well. It's hard work. It's long. It's nonstop. And once you've articulated it, you've got to renew the vows and you really, you know, you really have to keep going with it each and every time. But I think that change process gives you the you matter moment to each and every individual staff. If you're 40,000 strong, if your supply chain actually believes it and you show up when you say you believe in people as your biggest asset, right? Then treating them and they will go miles and miles for you when that's clear. So I think that is what's exciting. And at least now people are listening. You know, I, I know we've kind of veiled this with it's positive. The interest is there. The awareness is there. That's still a minority, Bev. And I think this is, I have to caveat everything, but this is still hard work when you get into a conversation because the pushback is real. We got to chip away. We got to keep doing it. But this is what waits for you on the other side. And it's just that dangling action of, you know, look what you could have. Well, I think it's a, you know, the, I, I don't know what the exact quote is or the saying is, but it's something along the lines of nothing worth doing is ever easy. And right. I think it's keeping an eye on where we want our business to be and the impact that we want to have and what we want it to offer to people who come and work with us and the clients that we're serving. We have to realize that it it isn't going to be something that can just come from a few words that we throw out onto a page or onto the wall or our website. It's really what meaning we build into those words and what it looks like when we start to live those words. And that takes a lot of time and a lot of effort. As you were talking about, you know, how you convince leaders to take this on, it sounds a little bit about, you know, when my husband was convincing me to sign up to do a triathlon for the first time you know he didn't really make the case a very compelling one or one that I really wanted to be part of but once I thought about the benefits that I would get and you know the experience that I was going to have I came around to the idea <laughs> so, there you, go. you know maybe maybe similar for, for leaders who are sitting listening to this I'm very sorry to say that we're starting to um, get to the end of our time together and I know that this is a conversation that 
is just the start of scratching the surface really around what purpose is, why it's necessary for us to have it and the things that it can unlock for, for business. And, you know, we really believe that purpose should be our, our first step as we start to craft purposeful business. And I'm just really grateful to hear from both of you today. And I know that for our listeners, that there's a lot more that we could chat about. And I would invite folks to reach out to each of you directly if they want to ask you specific questions and continue the conversation. So with that in mind, what's the best way for folks to get a hold of both of you if they wish to do so? Pat, how, how can they reach you? LinkedIn is active so you'll find me on linkedin we can pop in the profile link there and www.thepurposebusiness.com send us an email and tell us what's on your mind and i'm sure we'll find a way to get you to purpose thanks laurie how can people find you yeah just the same so on linkedin as laurie bennett and come to withinpeople.com and drop us a note through the contact page there. Okay, before we head off into our respective worlds and days and evenings, Laurie Pat, could you share your 30-second advice for a leader who wants to find purpose for their organization today? And the answer cannot be, please call me in the next two days. <laughs> call Laurie. <laughs> <laughs> Well done, Pat. Well done. Okay. Pat, 30 seconds. What's your advice? Look inside and speak to your people about why they think you exist as an organization. And from there, it'll come. Brilliant. Laurie? Yeah, I think buckle in probably based on what we've talked about today. I think as a leader, the thing I would my advice would be really think about the journey that you are going to go on personally through this. Think about your own commitment to the sort of change and courage it's going to ask of you. It's a tremendously rewarding journey, but as you have no doubt gleaned from our <laughs> perspectives today, it's it's packed full of challenge. It's going to ask you to explore the things that mean the most to you and probably make some pretty big decisions and sort of set yourself up for a different pathway of how your business grows. So I think being as ready as it's possible to be for some of that is a great precursor to stepping into to a journey of finding and then living the purpose that you find. Well, thank you, Laurie. Thank you, Pat, for joining us today and for leading this conversation on purpose. I feel like this is a 10-part series and this was part one. I can't wait for the sequel. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if our audience will, will be able to handle 10, 10 pieces of this conversation, but I'm up for it. Thanks for listening, everyone. We really do hope that you enjoyed this conversation. We're obviously passionate about this topic. We believe this is the difference that can make the difference that the world needs right now. We're up for it, and we are always looking for folks to join us on this journey. So please do join the conversation. Give us a call. Tell us what you're up to. What are you thinking about? What's inspiring you around purpose? And you know, share 
learnings along the way too. We always love that. We love to know what's tripped people up and what's inspired people to make their way further down this path. So thank you so much for being here. You can tune into our podcast every other month for episodes on what's happening in the culture and leadership space what's on the minds of leaders committed to change in our community and other future of work content you crave. Reimagining Work From Within is available wherever you listen to podcasts and we'd love to hear what you thought about today's episode. Thanks very much and we'll see you soon. Bye.